welcome you back. I got a lot of room to run this morning, so I've got a lot of open space here. So you guys must think that I, when I get excited, I spit or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's all I can think of. I don't know. We do. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys are looking good today. I already said that, right? Last week we looked at some biblical financial wisdom found in the Bible, right? And so I heard a lot of good comments on on the message. Um, I just think it is it's good stuff. We have to revisit that, I believe, at least yearly. Um, we need to hear that. I need to hear it. I need to go into God's Word. So uh, if you missed that one, you can uh, find it on our website. There's a link there. You can go to our YouTube page. So you just look up Radiant Springs Church on YouTube, and then you can subscribe. And then when new messages come out, it'll tell you when new messages come up. So that's kind of cool. So this Sunday, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. And I've shared on this passage, you know, goodness sakes, in 17 years, I've probably shared on this several times. But um, I know that in the middle of winter, it can be difficult on us emotionally, right? You get into that cold season and winter, and I, I, I just, in talking with people, it's kind of like, wow, yeah, uh, people are kind of going through that. And it can not only be tough on emotionally, but also spiritually as well. And so sometimes we want to stay home. We want to just stay curled up in bed. We want to, uh, uh, oh, we even got amens on that one. All right. <laughs> Um, and, and so, um, and I, and I think even in the workplace, you, you see that we get into the winter months and sometimes it can be a little discouraging and just because we're in the middle of winter. Um, and so, but it does impact our spiritual well-being as well. So, um, we can get discouraged when we become discouraged. It literally means that we lack the courage to move on. Isn't that what that means? Right? Discouraged. You lack the courage to move on. Whether it is on a project, whether it's just in life in general, you just have a tough time getting motivated. Um, and so we just don't feel like it or our body is, maybe our spirit's willing, but our body isn't, right? Um, does strength move ahead? So I've done some mountain climbing. Anybody done mountain climbing? Climbed a mountain or two? Yes, okay. And so um, I think the highest mountain I've ever climbed was Mount Quandary in Colorado. And I did that with my father-in-law when he was still living. And so we, we got this bright idea. We're going to go hike one. Of, you know, it's one of those 14,000 or above. They have a term for it. Anybody know what that is? It's, there's a term for it. They're over so many thousand feet. And so it was one of those, Mount Quandry. It was south of where we were staying. And so we hiked up that, you know, and it was, it was going well until we got above the tree line and got above the tree line, you know. And I was younger in those days, okay, but, um, you know, I hadn't been climbing mountains prior to that. I wasn't any, I hadn't been building up to that, you know, just going to, yeah, we're going to go climb a 14,000 uh, foot mountain, you know. And so we did it, but I just remember just getting above the tree line and, you know, and then it was all rocks and you trail going up there, but it's kind of like, ugh, you know, you just, you really had to work hard to get those legs to, to go up. And going down wasn't too bad, and then you pay for it that night because then, you know, your muscles are spasming and, and you get Charlie horses. So, um, But sometimes it can get a little bit like that in life too, right? Where it is hard just to put one foot in front of the other, all right? 
And I think we can sp- face those same, we can face some spiritual mountains in our walk with God. Um, and we see that even within the believers in the book of Hebrews. Just a quick, uh, we've talked on Hebrews before, but just quick note there, they are Jewish believers that have left Judaism to follow Christ. They've embraced Christ, but because of their decision, they are facing opposition and even confiscation of their property, um, some persecution. Some have even lost their lives and things like that. And so they're being pressured to go back to the old way of doing things, to go back to Judaism. And so the author of Hebrews is encouraging them to stay in the fight, to stay in their faith to realize what they have in Christ, that it's far better from what they had um, just following the Old Testament and the Old Testament law, all right? And so um, that's where uh, chapter 10 kind of begins. We're going to jump in at verse 19, um, but it'd be, uh, it talks about Christ's sacrifice. And so I talked about that during communion. I kind of hit on some of that already, so that worked out good. So let's bow our heads in prayer and then jump into God's Word today. Father, We do thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the living word of God. Hebrews talks about that. It is able uh, to penetrate hearts and soul, bone and marrow. It's able to go to the deepest parts of our life, Lord. Um, Not only just to help us know what is right and wrong, but to encourage us and to speak into our spirit as only your word can do. And so, Lord God, we give you the thanks. We give you the praise. In your name we ask. Amen. Amen. So in chapter 10, the author of Hebrews is building the case that Christ went to the cross. He offered his life once and for all for my sin and for your sin. Once and for all. There wasn't all these weekly, yearly sacrifices that had to be offered. It was one and done. Christ was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Amen. And because of that, Now he's going to say, because of what Christ did for us, there are some things we need to take advantage of, okay, if we want to move forward. So the message is entitled Forward, because I think sometimes they were having a difficult time moving forward, and I think sometimes we can. Maybe this is speaking directly at you this morning, and maybe you're on cloud nine and things are just rolling right along, okay? And so if it is, you're just going to put this in your back pocket, and when the day comes, we'll... (laughs) He's kind of like, okay, I'm going up that mountain now. I'm having a hard time putting one foot in the other. Okay, you pull this out, all right? We're going to be again in verse 19 and then through 22. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. So we have confidence. It's interesting he uses that word confidence because um, what could happen if they entered the most holy place without blood? Yeah, you'd be a crispy critter, right? Right, and and so they actually would tie a rope onto them, the high priest, just in case their their body wasn't, you know, they they weren't right with God, and something happened. Nobody wanted to go in there, right? And so there was this fear of going into the presence of God, and instead of confidence, all right. Um, and I think we have there's there's kind of a fine line. God is a holy God, right, and He's awesome. But God wants us to be able to approach him and to draw near to him, um, not to be fearful of him. And the way that we can draw near to him is because Christ went to the cross and we can go with confidence. Amen. And so that comes up in the book of Hebrews a lot, that we can boldly come before the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. That's also Hebrews. All right. Verse 20, by a new and living way, 
opened to us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, here's the first point. Let us draw near to God with a sin sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And so there is that sanctifying thing that he is talking about because of what Christ did for us. The first thing that we see is that the blood of Jesus purifies us, so draw near. The blood of Jesus purifies us, so draw near. You know, before an Old Testament believer could enter the holy place, they had to purify themselves. Aaron had to. All believers did. And only the high priest once a year went into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was, right? That Indiana Jones tried to find, right? That was on last night. (laughs) Um, But they had to go through that process of purifying themselves. These Old Testament practices were a metaphor for us, a shadow, a, a picture for us to help us to understand what Jesus would accomplish for us in going to the cross. And his sacrifice would purify us and cleanse us. It would atone for our sins, satisfying the debt of our sin. And as New Testament believers, we have access to the very presence of God. And the curtain, so Hebrews talks about the curtain. What happened to the curtain on the day that Jesus was crucified? It was split in two, top to bottom, right? So maybe it could have been ripped in two from bottom to top by human means, but the fact that it was ripped from top to bottom showed that it was God that tore it, right? And it was even just, it was a well-made curtain, so the fact that it was even torn was an act of God. But it was to symbolize that now that was open to all of us because of what Christ did on the cross of Calvary, amen? And so the truth is that we can enter the very presence of God because He has redeemed us, He has sanctified us, He has made us holy before God the Father. Amen? That's the truth. But how often do we live in the knowledge of that truth? Have you ever felt that you were unworthy to come before God? Have you ever felt that you weren't good enough? Or how often you felt dirty or unclean because you messed up, you failed, you sinned? Maybe the past day, week, or month. There's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. So let's look at that. Conviction is by the Holy Spirit. When we've done wrong, the Holy Spirit is there to convict us, to say, hey, you've done wrong, right? That's conviction. But conviction calls us into a closer relationship with God. It calls us to repentance and to a godly life. All right? Condemnation... Um, on the other hand, reminds us of our sin. And it often, often reminds us that, hey, you are never, you won't measure up to God's holy standards. You're not good enough. And so instead of drawing us closer to God, it pushes us away from God. And Paul says, what? In, in Christ there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. All right? Conviction is important because we want to draw near to God because there we are made holy, we are renewed, and we have fellowship with God. Amen? We have fellowship with God. And it's there that I believe that our spirits are made alive, um, we're energized, we become who God has called us to be. And so the admonition, admonition of Hebrews is to draw near to God with faith, knowing that he has purified us. I can go with confidence, no fear. 
No fear. I don't know what the highest place that you've ever been. In other words, by that I mean a place of position. I don't know. Has anybody been into the White House, into the President's office, or maybe a person of great um, prestige or honor or power? How would you feel? Would you go in there with confidence or would you be a little bit trembling, right? And when you think about that going before a holy God, Isaiah said, hey, when I became before God, I was undone, right? I was undone because I'm coming before a holy God and I don't think we see completely the holiness of God. I think we are shielded by that to a large degree. But if we were to experience God in all of His holiness... None of us could stand. We would fall face down before Him. But we can go before Him in confidence without the fear of being consumed or destroyed because of Christ. If the blood of Christ covers our life, we can have confidence to go before Him. And it's in His presence that we are renewed. We obtain strength to live each and every day. It's in His presence that we are filled with joy and our spirit comes to life. I think that can easily be missing if, if we're just showing up at church, if we're just checking the boxes, and we're not walking in a relationship with God, there's no joy there, right? You know? So if you're married here, okay? If you're married here, if you're just kind of like, yep, I, I had supper with my wife or my husband, you know, kind of we had maybe our checklist. But there's no, hey, we just go out and enjoy doing things, right? That's where it's fun, right? You go out and do life together and enjoy those things. There's the joy in the fulfillment that comes from that. And that's what God wants us to gain in our relationship with Him. So when you feel discouraged in your spirit, that's not an opportunity. That's not, it's a temptation to draw. It's a temptation to pull away. But we have to hear the admonition of Hebrews to draw near. Amen? It's in those times that we need to draw near more than anything else because isolation will kill us. Isolation will kill us as we pull away. All right. And I talk about that, so I need to find out where I talk about it. There it is. All right. Okay. I want to get ahead of myself. Secondly, verse 23. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. That's 22. And then verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Hold unswervingly. There's a lot of words there. To the hope we profess, because he who promised is faithful. So the second point there is that God is faithful, so hold on. God is faithful, so hold on. Tug of war. You ever done a tug of war match? Right? And you pull right on there. Sometimes, what do you do to, if you can get a, if you can't get a good grip? I don't. Do they let you wrap the rope around your arm? I don't know. I don't think they do. Do they? I don't think you're allowed to. That could actually give you a good rope burn if it starts sli- slipping. But part of tug of war is just keeping your grip on the rope, right? And then your footing and your strength. There's some tactics to it. But we use the expression sometimes that if you're um, tying a knot and hang on, right? Why do we tie a knot? Gives you a better grip, right? Gives you a grip, something better to hold on to. Instead of just the rope, you tie a knot and you hang on, right? And I think there's sometimes that we need to do that in our Christian walk. There's times where we don't know where the end is. 
And we can't even see where the next step is. And I think God is usually faithful to give us the clarity for the next step. But sometimes we want to know all that lies ahead. And, and we don't know how God is maybe going to pay the bill, how he's going to provide the healing, how he's going to heal the relationship, how he's going to do all those different things. We may not always know that, but we have to tie a knot and hang on and trust him because he's faithful. And I believe, I like that expression because I think there are knots of truth that we need to hang on to. Some of those knots of truth would be that he will never leave you or he'll never forsake you. He has promised to supply all of our needs. And that is in the context in Philippians of giving that as these Philippian believers help Paul, he says, you know what, and God will supply all your needs as you are generous. He has promised to forgive us of our sins as we confess them before him. Not just sometimes or if, if he feels in the good mood. He has promised to forgive you of your sins if you confess them to him. He has promised to be with us in times of temptation. Corinthians 10. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That's where those knots of truth where sometimes things seem too strong and you just have to grab onto that knot of truth and hang on. These believers that the author is writing to were thinking of quitting. Was the sacrifice worth it? They had made that commitment to follow Christ and to serve Him, but they were facing opposition. They were discouraged. They were hanging their head. They, they think they were doing what was right, but it was hard, it was difficult. They were thinking of quitting and giving up. Now, I've never regretted persevering through something. I've never regretted it. I've probably had a few regrets because I quit and gave up. Maybe it was a sport, new sport I was trying or, or something else. Quitting usually is not a good thing. Persevering, we gain a lot through it. But you persevere because you hang on and you push through it, right? Uh, Dag, Dag Hammerskold. This is one of my favorite quotes. It's in my dissertation. That's where I discovered it. But he said he was a mountain climber in Europe. He was uh, Secretary of State for the UN. He had a great position. And he was a God-fearing man. And, and so there's a book called The Markings. Uh, that was written from just from his journal notes. It was published after his death. He was killed in a plane accident going on a, uh, one of his work assignments to Africa, and his plane went down. But he said, when the morning's freshness has been replaced by the weariness of the day. So he's, he, you know, the picture is he's climbing a mountain. It's, you know, it's in the morning, you're crisp, you're, you got all that energy, and all of a sudden the weariness of mir- midday kind of kicks in when the leg muscles begin to quiver under the strain. The climb seems endless, and suddenly nothing will go quite as you wish. Oh, you ever had those days? Right? My mom says, when it rains, it pours, right? And suddenly nothing will go quite as you wish. It is then that you must not hesitate. It's then you must not hesitate. Why? Because sometimes when we hesitate and we think, man, I think, I don't think this is worth it. I should quit. I should give up. We listen too much to what we're thinking about instead of just putting one foot in front of the other and pushing through. We'll never regret persevering. We will regret regret 
quitting and not finishing the race. The key to perseverance is keep moving on. There's a great uh, hymn that I grew up with. So if you know this, you can say it with me. It will be worth it all, right? It, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His pure face, all sorrows will erase. So bra- bravely run the race till we see Christ. Remember that? Any of you remember that? I, I grew up with it. But it captures the idea of what it means to trust in the faithfulness of God, to hold on because He is faithful. Amen? The blood of Jesus purifies us, so draw near. God is faithful, so hold on. Lastly, verses 24 through 26, says, And let us consider now how we may spur one another along toward love and good deeds. And I always, whenever I preach on this, I always forget to ask Gary to bring his spurs along. But not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So there's a lot of things that we can apply to even today. But Jesus is coming back soon. So therefore, encourage one another. Jesus is coming back soon, so encourage one another. You know, the author encourages them to spur a couple of different ways. First of all, he says, spur one another along towards love and good deeds. So, you know, the cowboy does that to the horse, right? And if you go to the rodeo and they ride the Broncos, they usually have spurs on there. They use the spurs to get action out of the horse. And that's what the the spurs accomplished. They kind of got the horse going, kind of giddy up, right? Get going, right? And that's what the author of Hebrews is kind of catching there. He says, hey, within the body of Christ, we need to kind of spur each other along. Now, we need to do it nicely because I don't want you guys fighting, all right? But we need to kind of, in a brotherly and sisterly way, encourage one another in our gifts and our talents. And when we see things in, in people's lives that, we're good, that they're good at, to encourage them in that and to say, hey, man, you, have you been slacking off? <laughs> no, <laughs> but to encourage, man, you just really do well, right? You really do well, you know. Denise, man, you did a great job leading us in worship this morning. And Karen and Mary Ellen, you did a great job in making coffee and being here. I just thank them for their faithfulness and their and the coming in. And Chris and Theo, they were up there in the sound booth, and they were faithful this morning. And Dave, Dave was here, man. He's doing our security. And people show up, right? And they're using their gifts to further the kingdom of God. We need to spur one another along. And sometimes we, the encouragement piece comes in because sometimes we, we're serving and we're volunteering. We're doing what God calls to do, even as a pastor, right? I can do that and we lose sight. We can lose sight of, hey, does w- what I am doing is it doesn't matter. That's why I have to kind of go back to sometimes to the, our, our value and our visions statement because we have to come back to that. Why do I do what I do? Amen? Victor? He was running to get here in time to read scripture, but he was here, right? Lizzie, she does all the update emails, Facebook posts. We all need that encouragement, and that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Encourage one another, especially in that difficult time. And we do that, we can do that when we're watching on Facebook Live, and we got people watching this morning. So if you're watching on Facebook Live, you have to encourage one another, somebody that is watching this morning. 
Hey, Guillermo, it is good to see you, man. I see you watching here this morning. And Yesenia and um, Jamie. Jamie doesn't get to be here with us a lot. And Cheryl. But So if you're watching on Facebook Live, encourage one another. And that's going to be, when you leave today, you get to encourage one another. All right? But that encouragement is so important. We do that when we meet together, Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and and the small groups, those are so important because that's where we can encourage one another. We can even talk about, man, I just had a crummy day. Did you know it's okay to have a crummy day as a Christian? It's okay, all right? And there are those days. Maybe you just get up and it's just kind of, oh, man, I woke up this morning and it's kind of like, man, I had a bad dream last night. It's kind of like I got a utility bill for $7,000. Why do I even remember that, Right? And Amy says, yeah, I had a bad dream, too. It's kind of like, man, what did we eat last night? <laughs> um, it's just kind of woke up angry, <laughs> you know. But we, we can have crummy days, but we have to encourage one another, right? Um, but it happens when we're in that meeting together, and we can do it on, online. It's not as easy, but we can do it. But that's one of the reasons why we're even here, you know. We need to study God's Word, and I know that's why you all come, is to, to hear me speak. I'm saying that facetiously, okay? But we need the worship, but we also need the fellowship, folks. Sometimes more than we realize, we need it. Isolation is a killer. Isolation is a killer. And so if Satan is like Satan is like a wolf, right? And so a wolf, what does he do? He separates off some, uh, an animal that is either weak or young or that they, they feel that they have the advantage on. They separate them out. And they wear them out, and they have them for lunch. Right? Jesus wants to have a meal with you. Satan wants to have you for lunch. You can quote that. Jesus wants to have a meal with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. Right? Satan wants to have your lunch. He wants to, You're the main course. If he can have you for lunch, he'll do that. That is his main objective, is to discourage you and eliminate you from the race. Um, they've done experiments where people will stand in ice water, right? Barefoot ice water. I thought we could do that this morning. Anybody volunteer? <laughs> Bob said he would. What they have found is that if, if there is somebody there encouraging that person, they will stand in the ice water twice as long just because there's somebody there to encourage them. It's kind of like, man, I don't know why. <laughs> it's kind of like, thanks, friend, for encouraging me. I can't feel my feet now. But um, but if, if it means that we can stay in a bucket of ice water twice as long, how much will encouragement impact us as the believers in Christ when we go through that valley and we just need other brothers and sisters encouraging us? Amen? So encouragement, um, there's just a couple quick key things that I, um, encouragement um, is important. When a person feels encouraged, they can face the impossible and overcome incredible adversity. So there's five important characteristics of encouragement. It provides awareness. When we encourage other people, we all, we let them know what we think and that they matter to us. Encouragement creates belief. And so it does that because when we encourage somebody, it says, hey, I believe in you. I believe that you can, you, you can get it done, right? It's belief. Sometimes we don't believe in ourselves, but when we have somebody come alongside of us that encourages us, whether it's a parent, whether it is a, a mentor, a friend, 
and says, you know what, they believe in me, I can get it done, I guess, right? Encouragement builds confidence, right? Kind of builds on that belief. People believe in me, they believe I can get the thing done, so I can get it done. And it improves attitude, encouragement improves attitude. When we feel worse, after someone encourages us, we, we usually feel better, right? Um, it changes our attitude and how we look at things. And lastly, encouragement promotes that action. It kind of spurs us along. It gives us a wind in our sails to carry us along so that we can do what God's called us to do. Encouragement. And it's not only here at church. You know, Roger, it's for you in the classroom, right? You know, there's so many different, at work, we encourage other people. That's so important. Um, that plays an incredible role in our life. The author of Hebrews has the end in sight, though, right? He says, encourage one another daily. And all the more as we see what? The day approaching. And day in my Bible is capitalized. Why? Because it's pointing to that day when Christ will return, right? The important day. There's some days that maybe we can miss our appointment, but you don't want to miss this appointment, okay? You want this underlined, you want it circled. We don't know when that day is. But it's fast approaching, and we need to encourage one another because the author of Hebrews wants them to finish the race. And he gives us that picture in Hebrews chapter 12. If, you're, uh, if you want to just turn ahead there to Hebrews chapter 12, and the picture is of Memorial Stadium, all right? It's a coliseum. And the stands are full. Who the stands, who's, who's filling up the stands? People. What kind of people? The people that have gone ahead, right? You got Moses in there, and you got Abraham, you got Elisha, right? Isaiah and Jeremiah. There's some of the people that are in the stands. And they're shouting and they're encouraging and they're rooting for who? You and I, we, we're still running the race. We're still running the race, right? And they're encouraging and shouting out to us, saying, you can do it. You can finish the race. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the sin that easily entangles, and the sin that easily entangles, yes, and everything that hinders, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him, see, we are the joy that he was pursuing, set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and will not lose heart. And have the musicians come. That is just a beautiful picture. You know, some people start off in the race. Man, they just tear off right and they're just in the front of the pack and then all of a sudden they're midway next thing you know it they're in the back and sometimes they don't even finish the race right and there's others that start off they look like they're running well and maybe they trip up maybe they get injured right maybe they get distracted and lose their way that happens in the Christian walk right People can run a, be running their Christian race so well. Sin trips them up. Distractions trip them up. Discouragement. 
They wonder, you know, can I make it to the finish line? And I never considered myself a runner, okay? But I've run my share of races. And it's kind of like that, that finish line can seem so far away. But the only way that I know how to do it is put one foot in front of the other, and before you know it, the finish line is there. You cross the line, and you're done. And I believe that's what we need to do in the Christian walk as well. There's times that our lungs will burn, our legs will be heavy. But then you do get that second wind, right? You ever feel that? That second wind? Kind of like, oh, now I got this. Maybe we hear the people in the stands, in the crowd, saying, hey, you can get it done. The blood of Jesus purifies us, so draw near. God is faithful, so hold on. And Jesus is coming back soon, so encourage one another daily because that day is a coming. And what the author of Hebrews says, you know what, I don't care how you run. I don't care if you look ugly or beautiful when you run. I don't care if you run slow or fast. What matters is that we finish the race. Amen? That's what matters. So run in such a way that you finish the race. And I think the author of Hebrews gives us some good instruction here. Praise God. Would you stand this morning? I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. I try to do that every Sunday. I just never know who's listening, who is here. And if this is your day, just to solidify your walk with God. And so would you just join me in a prayer of salvation? If you're listening online, if you're here, um, just pray together and make that prayer our own. Saying, dear God, Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all my sin. Be my Lord and my Savior. Walk with me each and every day. Give me the strength that I need each day to glorify you and finish the race. Amen. And Father, I do just ask a blessing over your people this morning. Lord, let us be the church. Let us, if we are that person this morning that maybe has been discouraged, sometimes we're, we're afraid to be that vulnerable. But Lord, um, we all go through those times of discouragement and difficulty. But Lord God, may you um, put people in our lives that can encourage us. And may we hear the words of Hebrews to encourage one another and to draw strength from you, to draw near to you, and to hold on, Lord God, in those times, to not give up. And so, Lord God, I, I pray especially for those that maybe are just sensing that in their own spirit. And, Lord God, I pray that we can be the church that it, give us the wisdom and the follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that, if, um, that we can be led to be encouragers to other people, Lord God, that we can uh, lift each other up and be the body of Christ. We give you the thanks. We ask in your name.